Thank you for listening to City Hill Dubai podcast. The Exodus is our brand new series about God's salvation coming through in a time when people are scared and vulnerable. In the series, we also look at questions about finding our identity, our purpose in life, and how to find hope in unprecedented times. Join us in this epic journey where we will discover redemption, identity, and hope. A video format of this series is also available on our YouTube channel, City Hill Dubai. For more information, visit www.cityhillglobal.com. Hi everyone from wherever you are around the world. We are continuing with our series from Exodus and we are currently in Exodus 33. That's what we're gonna be looking at today. Uh, last week we had from Frank who did their golden calf and was looking at the story of the people of God as they worshiped the golden calf, the story of idolatry in the camp. And now we're gonna be focusing more on this time on the mountain between God and Moses and the people. It feels as though this is a make or break moment where God is speaking to his people and Moses is pleading with God and the people are just waiting to hear what God has to say about what they've just done, which is worship the golden calf. If you got your Bible, please turn with me to Exodus 33. The Lord said to Moses, depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt to the land of which I saw to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, to your offspring I will give it. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hevites, and the Jebusites. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you, lest I consume you on the way for you are a stiff-necked people. When the people heard this disastrous word, they mourned and no one put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, say to the people of Israel, you are a stiff-necked people. If for a single moment I shall go up among you, I would consume you. So now take off your ornaments that I may know what to do with you. Therefore, the people of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments from Mount Horeb onwards. Verse 12, Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I found favor in your sight, please, Show me your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not send, do not bring up, do, do not bring us up from here. Excuse me. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us that we are distinct 
I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, please show me your glory. And he said, I'll make all my goodness pass before you, and I'll proclaim before you my name, the Lord, and I'll be gracious to whom I'll be gracious, and I'll show mercy to whom I'll show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I'll put you in a cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I pass by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face not be seen. Father, we thank you so much for your words. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. I pray today, Lord, that you continue to speak to us through this book. Lord, I ask right now that you really convict our hearts and convince us, Lord, through your word that you are true and you are alive. I pray today that this word will speak to many. Anoint us, Lord, as we hear your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. This is a make or break moment. The people of God have just worshipped a golden calf. It made God angry. God gets angry with sin, as the Bible makes it very clear. You remember with the story of David and Bathsheba, when David came before God after he knew that he had sinned, and what did he say? He said, against you only have I sinned and done these evil things. But he had only sinned to Bathsheba. No, sin is more offensive to God than it is offensive to anyone. And the people of God are now recognizing what they have just done by worshiping the golden calf. That they have offended the holy and good and gracious and merciful God. But they come to this moment now before they are about to depart from the mountain. They're just in the presence of God. They're just in the goodness of God. They're just in the power of God on the mountain. They've seen the mountain tremble. They know that this God is not just a pushover. He's a mighty, great, wonderful God. And yet, they are now in this break, make or break moment where God is about to express to them that they have two options, really. And the first option is that they go alone on their own or they come with God. And God gives them this option saying, you know what? I can give you literally everything that you want, but maybe you can just go with everything you've been longing for, everything I've promised you from Egypt. I promise you loads of things, a land flowing with milk and honey. I promise you the wealth and the riches of the land. I promised you that I will guard you and I'll overcome for you. I'll protect you. I promise you that I'll defeat the Canaanites, the Hevites, the Jebusites, the Hittites on your behalf. I promised you all of this because I'm the God who fulfills his promises. I will fulfill that. But actually, here's what I want to tell you today. You can have it all, but you can't have me. And now Moses has to stand before God and talk to God about this. Let me just understand this very clearly, God. You are saying everything that we want, we can have, 
but we're not going to have you. I have three points that I just want to bring to you today. Number one is, is this a good deal? To have the kingdom of God, to have everything that is found in the kingdom of God and not have the king. You can have it all, but you cannot have me. That's what God is saying to the people. I'll fulfill your vision. Your mission will be accomplished. Everything that you need, everything that you've been looking for, that you've been asking for from me, I'll fulfill it. You'll be able to make it there. No, you will have no obstacles at all because I'll defeat every nation for you on your behalf and I'll take you where you need to go. You'll get all the comfort you need, the land flowing with milk and honey, all the stuff that you have always wanted to have your own place, your own address, you'll have it. But you don't get me. Let me ask you a question. If God was to offer that to you, would that be a good deal or would that be a bad deal? The response from the people is that they wept, they mourned. And symbolically, the way they're doing that is that they remove all their jewelry, all their ornaments. They remove them symbolically to show that, hey, we have offended a holy God. There's almost a moment of repentance now when they realize that the deal here that's been proposed, we know God wasn't going to do that, but he's testing them. He says the deal that he's proposing here by actually saying you can have everything, but you can't have me, they realize it's a terrible deal. But do we realize that? How is it that a stiff-necked people will respond with repentance, will respond with just begging God and saying, don't do it, if this is a good deal. Our culture is looking for a kingdom without a king. Our culture will settle for a deal like this. Our culture is looking for justice, and we know that true justice is found in the kingdom of God. Our culture is looking for peace, and we know that true peace is found in the kingdom of God. Our culture is looking for healing, and we know that true healing is found in the kingdom of God. Healing of the mind, the emotions, the heart, and everything is found in the kingdom of God. Our culture is looking for strength and refuge, but we know that true strength and refuge are found in the kingdom of God. But our culture will only take that deal. And if you say, the king of peace wants to offer you this, but you can't have it without the king himself. They'll say, sorry, thank you very much. All we need is what he can bring, but we don't need him. The question is, is that a good deal? Are you happy to settle for everything that God provides, but not for God? Our culture will love justice, talks about justice all the time. But the true, just God, the one settled for him. What about you? Here's a true response from Psalm 73. Psalm 73 is a true response on how people who understand God should respond. And in Psalm 73, verse 25, this is what the psalmist says. He says, whom have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing 
on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Who is your portion? For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You have put an end to everyone who's unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord my refuge that I may tell of all your works. Mike Kenley, in his book, Passion, this is how he summarizes this response. This is how he summarizes the response and the challenge of whether you will have God or you have no God. And if you don't have God, you have everything else that God can give you. But if you have God, you are willing to abandon everything else just for God. This is how he puts it. It's worth asking ourselves, if heaven gave me everything, the job, the girl, or the guy, the health, the wealth, but Jesus wasn't there, would I be content there? Or if heaven gave me nothing except Jesus, would I be satisfied? And then he goes on to say, deep down, I think I often answer yes to I'll be content with heaven without Jesus and no to I won't be content with Jesus without everything. And then he says, that's because I love other things too much and I love the Lord far, far too less. Let me ask you, City Hill, are you happy with everything that God can give you? Everything that he can provide for you? but not God himself. Would you be happy, let me put it this way, would you be happy if you had a career that was looking really, really good on a very good trajectory and you realize that this career is great and if you pursue this career, it will give you literally everything that you've been looking for, literally everything that you've been maybe even praying for or everything that you've been seeking all this time, but you know that if you pursue this, career in this trajectory is moving you completely away from God. Would you be happy with that? Would you be happy to be in a relationship with a guy or a girl or to enter a relationship with a guy or a girl knowing that this does not glorify God, but you are willing to pursue it, to go as far as possible and choosing to leave God behind? Would you be happy to accumulate the wealth of this world through ungodly means and forgetting that God is there. If it's a yes to some of these things, to all of these things, then of course you've settled for the kingdom without the king. You've settled for a terrible deal. A stiff necked people, the Israelites, could not even settle for this kind of deal. Why is this a bad deal? Why is this bad? It is bad in three ways. Number one, it will never satisfy you. You can have everything in this world, but you will never be satisfied without God. I mean, looking through this time of this pandemic, the wealthy of this world, 
of the wealthiest people, the top 5% of the wealthiest people in the world, they made at least 27% of their wealth during this pandemic. But none of them is happy. They thought they had a, a good deal, but I don't think they have a good deal. Why? Because there's no God in it. And then how do we know that? Because he's still, they're not satisfied. They still want to accumulate and accumulate and accumulate and accumulate. You think you are the richest person in the world. Yeah, you've got, you made your billions. Yes, but, but I just want to get there. Where you get into? I want to make hundred, hundreds of billions. Okay, here's hundreds of billions. No, 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 but I'm still not happy. Why are you still not happy? Because I'm not satisfied. I need to get somewhere. It's just a perpetual situation. You're not going to get there. Because you have everything, but you don't have the king. The second reason that this is a disaster, a terrible deal, that we should never, as Christians, settle for it, is this is by definition hell. What do I mean by that? Hell is everything without God. Hell is the absence of God. It means, I mean, we know in eternity, there's going to come a time when those who are with God, it doesn't matter what they lose in this life, but gain God will have eternity with God. But those who gain everything in this life, whatever it is, but lose God, have settled for a terrible deal called hell and not a good deal because God is the best deal you can have. So we don't want to settle for Something that is the absence of God. We want to settle for God and the Israelites knew better to choose God over nothing. Or actually over everything that God could give them without God. It is a terrible deal because you, you become, as you pursue, number three, as you pursue these things, you become just like them. You are transformed into the image of the things that you pursue all the time. You know, the, one of the books written by C.S. Lewis of the Chronicles of Narnia, there's, there's a story, a book called The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. It's about this young boy called Eustace, and they go on this voyage, and what happens is that the Dawn Treader experiences some problems, and they decide to stop at this island. And then he goes into this cave and he finds that there's a, a, a big dragon that lives in the, cage, in, in the cave. And this dragon is about to die. And Eustace watches as the dragon dies. And then as he goes into the cave, he realizes that the dragon had so much gold and it was like treasure chest. And Eustace just pursues what the dragon had been lying on. And he pursues this and he puts this bracelet around him and he puts everything and he's just, he's just enjoying the treasure. He's pursuing the treasure to a point that he fell asleep in the gold and he woke up and he was a dragon, not a boy. We are transformed into the very things that we pursue. Let us pursue God because we will be transformed into his image more. This is a takeaway for you. If you have 
everything and know God, everything but know God, you have nothing. But if you have nothing and only God, you have everything. And the people of God knew that if only they had God, they had everything. We need the kingdom with the king. We settle for the right deal. That's number one. Number two, are Christians different from everyone else? We hear here, Moses says, we need to be, to look different. We want to be distinct. How will they know that we are your people? If you don't come with us, how would the people of this world, of the face of the earth, being able to identify that we are so different from everyone else, unless you come with us and your presence is with us? If your presence does not come, how would we be distinct? How would we be distinguished from everyone on the face of the earth? And God says, yes, I will go with you. He says, what you've just spoken, I will do. My presence will come with you. I'll just go with you. And I won't give you an angel. Don't settle for an angel. Settle for God. I'll go with you. I'll go wherever I'm sending you. I'll be there. And Moses is the happiest Larry. He knows that this is a very good deal. But I want to pick up something. Are Christians different? Because Moses seems to say, when we have God, we are different. And the answer really, the honest answer is yes and no. Let's start with the no. Christians feel the same pain as people who, who are not Christ followers. I'm a Christ follower. I feel the same pain. I have some of the, the difficulties that Christ follow, uh, someone who is not a Christ follower will have. I can get depressed. I can get sad. Christians can receive a pay cut. Christians can lose their jobs. You see, we deal with the same problems that everyone else is dealing with. Just recently, just at the beginning of lockdown, one of the things I experienced one of the most difficult days of my life. I remember waking up in the morning and, and I stood there very early in the morning and I was just thinking, okay, this is what I gotta do today. And then for some reason, my brain was telling me it was Wednesday and I looked at my watch and it was saying it's Thursday. I don't know if that's happened to you, but it happened to me. I was like, everything was just seamless. One day kind of overlapping into another. And I was like, what is going on here? I couldn't figure out where I was. And I, was, <laughs> I, I experienced what I can only describe as a panic attack. For at least about five minutes, I had to just sit down. I just felt and saw two days, Wednesday and Thursday, collapsing together into one day. And I thought, I can't do this. And I just sat down. And I remember my heart was pumping and beating so fast. I was like, what is going on here? I remember saying, the Prince of Peace, through your spirit, could you come and take over right now? I just well, couldn't do it. And for some of you, you probably might be struggling with some of these things and you're thinking, oh, I, 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 you, you get embarrassed and you don't want to talk to someone. 
The following day, I had to call someone and say, I need help in this area. I'm just struggling. I just had a five minutes of panic attack. But actually, I knew who to call. I said, the Prince of Peace, I can't do this. He said, the difference is, although we are all the same, I mean, we have all these problems that everyone else has, temptations and all kinds of things. Here's the difference. As Christ followers, we are people of glory. We are people who serve the God of glory. What does that mean? God is glorious, infinitely, immeasurably, more than we could ever ask or imagine. That's how he comes through. He's always on time. He's never late. But he does everything more than we could ever ask or imagine. You could think that sometimes people are saying, oh, you know what? This person is so loving. God loves better. You can say, we need justice. God offers justice better. You can say, we need compassion. And let's look for compassion. People who are compassionate. God is the author of compassion. You can say, oh, but what we need right now, we need people who care in our lives. Or I've got someone in my life who cares so much. God cares better. We have God on our side. It's not based on what we can provide. It's not based on our intellect. It's not based on anything else. The difference is we have the glory of God with us. And that's what makes us different. It's because God is on our side. And we have God who is perfect, who is good, who is far, far better than anything else on our side. And we lean on him. We don't lean on our own understanding. We don't lean on our own wisdom. We don't lean on the things of this world. We just lean on him. Can I just call on you to lean on Jesus? Christ followers are those who don't have all the answers, but they know who to lean on. Do you lean on Jesus or you lean on your own understanding or you lean on other people? I just want to call on you today. Like I did in that moment, I thought, I can't do this. I'm just going to lean on Jesus. We have the King of glory on our side. But the other thing is that we have a different mission and a different commission. We have a different vision. What is our vision? We are salt and light of the earth. A Christ follower doesn't just come to Dubai and say, okay, I'm just going to get a job. I'm just going to get a a place to live. I'm just going to get a bunch of friends. A Christ follower comes to Dubai and feel, God has called me here. I have a mission here. I have a vision for this place. I'm called to this place. Wherever we end up in this world, as Christ followers, we are called there. We have a different vision. We look at things differently. May people, City Hill, in this city and the city, may the city's perspective of kindness change when they see you and they meet you. May the city's understanding of love change when they see you. May the the people's perspective of community in this city change when they see you. May the people's understanding of hospitality change because they met you. We are a people 
on a mission. We are a people with a vision. We are a people who are commissioned. We are not just a people. We have God on our side. And it changes our perspective of everything, of the world, of people around us, of our work, of everything that we do. Even the way we deal with issues and problems is that we have God on our side. We lean, we lean on him, but also we are driven by him and we are guided by him. And the people of God knew that if they had God on their side on this mission to the promised land, they will be able to successfully become the people that God wanted to be, which means a light and a soul to the whole earth that the whole world could look at them and say, you are different from everyone else. And Moses, that's what he's looking for. How are they going to know that we are different? We have God on our side. And he's, give us, he's given us his mission. He's given us his vision. We're not here for, just for our own agenda. We are different. God is the one who runs the show. We are here on God's agenda. Number three. Do Christians, do we get to see God? The answer is yes. Moses says, God, just do me a favor. Show me your glory. And God is saying, yes, I'm going to show you my glory. Stand on the rock and go in the cleft over there of the rock. And that's where I want you to be. Great. But I'm going to put my hand over your face so that when I walk past, when I go after you, before you, <laughs> you're not going to see my face. But actually, you're going to see my back. But I'm going to let my goodness go past. And I'm going to call on you. And my name will be proclaimed. But the one thing is, you won't see my face. Because no man shall see God and live. That's what God is saying here in this passage. But I have good news. We are able to see God. We will see God because we are people of the new covenant. If you've got your Bible, I just want to lead you into a, a passage of scripture. And that is 2 Corinthians and chapter 3. I'm going to read from verse 7. It says, now, if the ministry of death carved in letters on stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of his glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness far exceeded in glory. Indeed, in this case, what we... What once had glory has come to have no glory because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, meaning the old covenant, much more will what is permanent have glory, the new covenant. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites will not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the old covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ 
is it taken away? Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is spirit. Let me just summarize that passage very quickly in closing. Unlike Moses, who God had to put his face his, his hand on his face so that he could not see the glory of God as it was being revealed, the goodness of as it was being revealed before him as God went by. The ministry of the new covenant, which is the ministry we have entered in, is a better ministry. The glory of Christ in the new covenant, this is what this passage is saying, surpasses the glory of the old covenant. It is better. The glory of Christ in the new covenant is permanent and eternal. The, through Christ, the new covenant people can gaze at the glory of God without a veil. We have access. We can see God. We don't need a veil when we come before God. The new covenant ministry is the ministry of the spirit, is the ministry of freedom. You are free in the new covenant. And the new covenant glory transforms us into the image of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. So we have a better covenant. We have a permanent covenant. We have access to God, to see God. We are free. We become more like Jesus Christ. So how do I answer that question? Yes, not only would we see God, not only would we receive the glory of God, and not only would we, would we see God, but actually we're going to be changed to become more like Jesus. We're going to be transformed into the image of his son. We will see God and we'll be changed to become more like him. And that's who we are as the people of God. Now I just want to close with this passage which summarizes what I've just read to you. And this is 1 John 3, 2. It says, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. One day we'll see the face of God and we'll be transformed into the image of God because we are people of the new covenant. God bless you. I just want to pray for you that more and more you become more like Jesus. You follow him in his presence and you reflect his glory. Do not settle for any other deal. Settle for Christ alone. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus today that, Lord, we don't settle for anything else that the world offers us. We don't want to settle for the kingdom without the king. We want to settle for the king alone. Lord, I pray today that we won't be satisfied in our hearts if all we had was everything in this world, but we don't 
have Jesus. I want to pray today, Lord, that by your spirit, may we be distinguished from everyone else on the face of the earth just because we have the spirit in us and we are people of glory. I pray today that by your spirit, as we live with this anticipation that one day we will see you, I pray that through your revelation every day, Lord, in our time together, in our worship, in our praise, in our singing, we will see you a taste of the future, Lord, and we'll be a people of revelation. Lord, anoint us all by your spirit. I pray today for people who are saying, I want to lean on Jesus today. Lord, I pray that there'll be an opportunity for people to say, I can't do this on my own. I want to lean on you. Save many in our city, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Exodus series. To find out more about City Hill, visit www.cityhillglobal.com. We'd love to hear from you.